0: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. The following is a short recap of the 2019 Cracker Jack episodes I had the pleasure of recording. These 10 local Cracker Jacks discuss with me various topics from fighting to leadership. As you may know, the dictionary definition of a Cracker Jack is somebody or something that is exceptionally good. Why I think and call these folks Cracker Jacks really is simple. Their default life actions are to stick up for a person or a principle they believe in. I find that exceptionally good. But you don't have to take my word for it. Just ask their family or friends. They'll say things like, This person lights up the room or they're willing to give their jacket right off their back. Or they make other people feel at ease. Bottom line, these Cracker Jacks have a common characteristic. They will put others before themselves. John is a 96-year-old spry combat veteran of World War II. He was in the European theater. And to have a representative of the greatest generation in my basement on the 75th anniversary of D-Day, June 6th, 2019. It was beyond surreal, to say the least. This brief audio clip is John describing in amazing detail. In the world of fast conversations, it is refreshing to absorb his wisdom and experience in his pace of thought. Here's John, caught in the rain of hot steel. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, We
1: Uh, crossed on a footbridge one misty morning, uh, and uh, uh, the next day we were on attack uh, after we had a little skirmish in a town called Wyndham, uh right at, near the Isar River. Uh, we were about ready to cross the river, and we were in this copse of wood with a little wood, Uh, trees with a dirt road in between. Uh, You could see the uh, little uh, river at the other end of it outside, and we were replacing uh, a group that had been up front. We were going to take the lead when all of a sudden we were under an artillery attack. They had the area zeroed in, and it was tree bursts. And don't you know, there was, uh, on the on that road, we had the battalion tank again, and it drew fire. Well, the, the the two companies were all amassed in this one area. I have pictures of that area because I visited it. Uh, and uh, it was raining hot steel.
0: I mean, it just came down like, like, raindrops and was it in the the sound I, that's what i think a lot of people don't understand it must have just been so loud you don't
1: hear a sound until uh until i mean if you hear a sound you're pretty pretty well safe it's not close to you i mean there sounds are very prominent uh you can tell uh artillery, which way it's going and whose it is, whether it's German or ours, uh, because of the uh, the sound, the sound of a burp gun or the sound of our M1 rifle or their uh, machine gun or our machine gun, uh, even to the point of pistols shot. And uh, I uh, had picked up a Walter P-38 uh, pistol, which was confiscated apparently from uh, when I was sent to the hospital from at any rate <clears throat> I decided when we were in in reserves uh in in uh in in, Af- in bavaria uh, I thought I'd pull off a couple of shots i did i did and Two or three guys came out of the house immediately because they heard uh, that particular sound. So sounds were very, very prominent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, wow. you could tell. But uh, the one, uh, the one that get you, uh, you don't hear the sound. You'll hear, you'll get the explosion before you hear the sound. So. Yeah. After the first two or three bursts, you could, you know, you could hear them exploding um, in the trees uh, and high in the trees. And uh, uh, that was, uh, we sustained, there were 22 casualties supposed, uh, I guess, recorded from with both, uh, both companies. And, uh, and so far as our company is concerned, in addition to, to my injury, um, we had a fatality.
0: That's just a small clip of what Joan went through. Hope you get a chance to listen to the whole conversation. Next up on the schedule was Kurt. He's full of energy and has a bursting heart to help individuals recover from crippling addiction. He has seen it all and talks about going through the steps of recovery. Here's a clip of Kirk talking about how important it is to let go of resentment.
2: All goes better. It's, uh, you, you go through the steps. It's continuous working in the steps. I mean, you go through them once to get that experience to to, to lead you. I and mean, the whole purpose of the uh, the 12 steps is to go through and it, you know, admitting that you have a, a problem, being willing to accept that help and then realizing, placing your trust in in a higher power, whatever that is. Then it's going through and examining what fears you have um and then you know in what resentments you have and the biggest offender specifically for addicts is we hold on to resentments you know either for institutions or people situations of the past and we hold on to those and we're reluctant to let those go and and we always think that we were harmed we were the victim of it and so this process you know allows you to to get those out get them on paper get those fears on paper take an honest look at them and 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 understand and, and uh, being willing to admit that, you know, I played a large part in all those resentments I had. You know, I had a resentment, you know, for university for putting me on probation, academic, and for, um, for discipline. And fact of the matter is, I wasn't going to class and I was smoking dope. So that'll get you on those two. Um, you know, uh, uh my family abandoned me, but for years I was never home. I, I, you know, so it's that taking ownership of what part you played in those resentments that allows you, gives you freedom from them. Then it's just really becoming willing to be a little bit better each day and get rid of those defects of character we're loaded with, you know.
0: Kirk's a great guy with a big heart. Next up, we had Scott and Jason. There's a reason these next Cracker Jacks are black belts in their martial arts. They're icons in our little community, and many people who know them or have been their students understand their passion of discipline. Here they are.
3: The education system that I grew up in, where you take it for granted that it's the teacher's job to stand up in front of the class and shove knowledge down your throat, it leads to this very negative relationship with learning, where students don't feel any personal responsibility for, for learning, you know? Like realistically, the relationship is more like 30 70. Like, I can teach 30%, but if you don't have 70% you're trying to learn, you are learning as an active, as an act, you know, you're not going to get anywhere, you yeah. know?
4: Which is exactly how it was with, you know, it, we, what you're describing as what we, we came up with with jujitsu. And same with Kuksul for me. I mean, it was like I trained, you know, locally with a guy. I wanted more training, man. I like hopped in a car and like drove throughout the night to find a guy in Chicago to show up at his doorstep, to knock on the door, to train, to go out to California, creating opportunities for myself, going back home and not just sitting around, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, you know, constantly, constantly training, refining, building, reaching back out again, continuing those relationships, you know, putting in the effort. It's all I ever knew from my training it was that like you had to go out there. You had to get it. You had to be hungry. You had to have a desire to do it, which is exactly what we did. Just,
3: yeah. Like I know, I've had this thing that I keep saying is like, I have people where I go, like, there are, there are teachers that where I go, like, I really want this person to 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 like me and care, you know, like, I'm putting a lot of energy, but I was like, I will risk having them think I'm annoying before I risk having them think I don't care. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be that guy. Yeah. Like you, may, you may say, I wish this guy would leave me alone, but you'll never say, oh, I don't even know if that guy cares about learning from me or values my knowledge or values my my input or values my time, you know, like, no one will make that mistake.
4: Yes. And yes. all of this I mean it, like listen at the end of the day man self defense martial arts something that's this sort of an art discipline whatever you want to call it um I mean it requires it's it's on you it's not something that like you can i mean you mentioned before hey what about the internet yeah youtube's great the internet's cool i mean you can learn some neat ideas you can be exposed to some things for certain you can i don't know be reminded of certain material but like it's it's not a replacement for like you putting in the time you know having to you have to own these techniques or they're just completely useless so that sort of mentality of you know oh i'm just going to be spoon-fed you owe me something you know you need to put knowledge into me is completely crazy and it's something that is um you know it's, it's not what martial arts or something that's a true physical sense of mastery or skill is based on i mean it's something you have to get out and do you have to put in the time you have to have the desire to take that knowledge and make it yours or it's completely useless and you're living a fantasy in my opinion
0: another well-known person in our community is angie angie is a calming stable voice to our little village She is passionate about the residents and their lives here working together. Back in September 2019, we talked about loneliness. We were both discussing how important it was to bring people out of their homes and enjoy their neighbors, etc. But now with this pandemic, it's almost unheard of. But I think the premise is still the same. Find folks who are lonely, reach out to them, and let them know they're actually not alone.
5: Somebody did say to me, somebody that I knew from online who came out to join a bocce league thing, but um, she, from all appearances online, knows everyone. And she asked me to place her on a team and said she didn't know anybody. And I remember thinking, how can you not know anybody? But I think that you're right. People don't have good connections. They might have these like tenuous connections or they don't feel like they have a connection And um, I I do, I really want to get past that because I do agree like um, that support from your community. um, It's not only like good for the community, but it's good for you. You know, you look at people and you look at like lifespan and the social connections you have, those affect your lifespan. You know, my my mother-in-law, unfortunately, passed away very suddenly and tragically uh, two years ago. And we worry all the time about my father-in-law because he Doesn't do anything, and so if you lose like your one connection, if you have like oh the gardening club, the bowling league, the woodworking group, you're still going to get out of the house. You're still going to see people, and they're going to check on you. But if you don't do that, you're alone, and that is something that I I do worry about. Like I hear that even just in our community, and I've, I've been thinking about that. I just heard recently about some seniors that people say oh you know so and so told me that she doesn't get out much anymore cuz she can't walk very well and i start thinking like who is in their house here in this community that needs that needs some connection and how can how can we do something about that because, you know, you never want to, th- I mean, nobody ever wants that. Like if you hear a story when something tragic happens, you know, they find somebody who was alone and they died or something happened and, you know, to them when they were alone, everyone around them always says, how- we had no idea, like they were alone. So how do we, how do we do that? Like, and I do know, like I said, being an introverted person, it's hard to drag people out of their house, you know, like, I, you know, you, they have to want to go. So I think you have to try a bunch of different things. You have to offer a bunch of different things, it's just like when you volunteer for a um, when you volunteer to work for a, a, a if you run volunteers, which you know, I've, I've been in all these volunteer organizations. One of the things I always tell you is offer some kind of volunteer job where people who want to attend the event but don't feel comfortable at social events can do, like tell them they can tend bar or they can do this. And it's true because it's easier for you to get out if you feel like I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to be like porn drinks, and I guess that works for some people, but that's, I think our goal, I mean, well, our our goal, if you, if you want to build a community, um, you need to try to think of all the angles to try to bring people out, to let them feel more comfortable so that you can benefit from them. I mean, that's the thing.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom that they have.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. No, exactly. That's the thing. All these people have, there are a lot of skills and a lot of talent that, you know, that's the only way, I mean, that's what makes our village so strong.
0: A hipster with a heart was my next Cracker Jack guest, Mike. Mike is a director at the Westside Catholic Center and brings clients and volunteers into a common good of improving each other. He loves the center's volunteers and talks about how dependent the whole program is on people helping those in need.
6: Our our volunteers are a miracle, man. I mean, we've had, um, I think think our longest-running volunteer group, they come every Wednesday. We call them the golden girls, 35 years. They do, they do Wednesday lunch every day, 35 years. And they're awesome. They are just awesome people because they are just etched in the fabric of that culture. They know so many clients on a, on a first name basis, you know, they recognize so many faces, the clients treat them with, it's amazing to see the synergy between our volunteers, our staff, our clients, um, Because of the you can the values resonate through people, but we exist and are able to operate because we have on average about 250 month, like regularly scheduled volunteers in any given month, whether that's people in the sorting room or the shopping program or the people who come in every Monday to help set up for our produce distribution to, you know, the Monday breakfast group, the Monday lunch group, the Tuesday breakfast group, et cetera. We, we, we have a lot of people we're touching. We have an associate board that's a young professional group that's 50 members strong. Our board of directors is at like 29. You know, if you factor them in, that probably puts us over 300 some volunteers who are touching us monthly. Um, and what you hear a lot that I find so inspiring about the place is that a lot of volunteers say, I get more out of this than our clients do. Because, you know, they, they know that they're helping to solve a problem. They know that they are, They are really exuding hope to others. So in addressing that whole person, it's not just about the food and the shelter. It's the social aspect, too. You know, when I said we allow people to stay from one to three to sign up for programming, it's not like intensive programming or mental health. It's movie club. It's chess club. It's bingo. It's just interacting with other people to make sure that we're not allowing people to be isolated socially, because with that, there's no accountability to others. And we lose track of people and our program director is so big and so good at this i mean she she knows if if she hasn't seen somebody for a couple of days she's on the phone she's looking for people you know especially if it's a regular face you know and like if she can't get a hold of them she's calling around she's asking people who work at this other uh, organization we partner with called Care Alliance, who are the real in the trenches. Like I'm going into the tent camp kind of people, mm-hmm. you know, to keep their eye out for so-and-so and this guy and this is what he looks like. And like, oh yeah, I know him, you know? So there's this network of people who are really, like I said, trying to solve a problem. They're trying to really reach out to people, let people know that they're worthy, that they belong. There's a place for them. And you know, given their circumstances, it doesn't make them any lesser than. You know, and I think our volunteers particularly exude that as a
0: quality. A voice of strength, Matt gave a fight that few of us could comprehend. His story is of grace and toughness that we always should be inspired by.
7: Uh with the clinic. Yeah, they've been they've been very, very good. Very good. And I've got uh... My support group here is excellent. I'm very, very fortunate. You
0: got people coming over and...
7: Oh, yeah. I have a... Um, excuse me. I have a uh, home care nurse, Kathy. She's fabulous. But, uh no, just when I think I've won a small victory, it just keeps coming up and biting me in the ass.
0: So you're on round three?
7: This is my... Th- third yeah
0: so how long does this last
7: well so i started i started chemo um last thursday so yeah so not two days ago but the 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 thursday before so i got i don't remember i got four or five days in and then this happened so they took me off of it chemo really messes with you with your system can't
0: imagine. It's terrible stuff. So your um your inner dialogue in your head in yeah. the last two years. I mean, is there a, like um, a, you went from pissed to frightened mm-hmm. to. Is there is there a path that you could see like.
7: Not even a question. It's 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 a grieving process, is what it is. You know, it was mad. And then I was sad. I found myself being a little mad this week, um, just in my own space. Um, it's frustrating because, you know, I hate to say this is an advantage, but uh, I've always been a, a believer that things happen for a reason. And there's things in life that you can control. Um, And there's things that you can't. Um, Now, you know, take this as you will. I'm kind of a man of faith a little bit. And, uh, you know, in my mind, God's got a plan for me. I don't know what it is. And I don't really care. (laughs) I don't really care for the uh, current plan as it goes. Um, But I'm going to except that what's going on is, is laid up. and well, I can't do a darn thing about it. So I'm not, I'm just gonna kind of put it in his hands and let him deal with it. and I'm just gonna try to do the best that I can to get through this. I mean it's it's hard
0: Being one of Chagrin Falls School District's favorite teachers, Kathy highlights how high school education, should consider new technology to attract the outlier musicians in our students?
8: I think as a traditional uh, teacher of music, some of us don't enjoy the technology end, but I think realistically, we communicate through our ensembles with very, a very small population of the students in the school. In any school, it's like that. But there's a huge population in the school The kids do garage bands. Our kids are playing on the computer with, um, like, the Apple program, GarageBand, and they're making songs. We don't touch any of that in our district. Many schools don't because of the space, the expense. It would take away from your performance ensembles because those kids are interested, and there's not enough time for those kids to do both classes, so to speak. But I think over, I think within the next 20 years, I think it will change in music ed, and I think we should change to get those kids an opportunity a chance to explore music also
0: so the the kids that are tech heavy with the music they wouldn't necessarily be the same kids that would come join band
8: not many of them really yeah i think there's a big population out there of kids who just sit at the computer that really they don't care for the games but they like the music end of it and making different sounds and beats go together yeah i, I think we have a lot of that i don't think it's recognized.
0: An entrepreneur, mom, trainer, and competitive athlete, Jen knows the recipe it takes to get her athletes to reach their goals. Her message is simple, but not easy. She encourages folks to show up and put in the work. This level of consistency separates the weekend warriors from the athletes.
9: If you cheat your reps, if you don't do the work, if you don't, um, actually put in the time that you need to, to get better, you will not in fact get better. If you, if you lie about how your workout goes, if you, if you're full, you know what I mean? You're, you aren't going to see the results. Literally the only way to get better is to do the work. Um, and there's a sense of honesty that you kind of have to have with that. And I think that, um, that can be correlated to other aspects of life that people don't always do. Um, and so being able to be fully honest with what you're able to do, because it's very easy to make excuses. I think I say to myself on a daily basis uh, that I'm more impressed with the other moms that I see doing the things that I think are hard, and probably not complaining nearly as much as I do about it, Um, you know, that are tired. And I don't hear them say that they're tired. I mean, I know single moms that have to do it all
0: the final conversation of twenty nineteen was with Dave. Dave and his family are great friends of ours, and his story of resilience against the worst fear of any parent gives us all pause with his wife and children. Dave's message of perspective is exceptional.
10: I'm fortunate uh, to have married way out of my league. absolutely no question about it, and you know. I guess when this you know happened, we had been already married twenty four years, something like that. And again, you look at something like this, uh, an incident that takes place. You have two choices. You're you're confronted with two choices. You know, are you going to crumble under this pressure and become a lesser person? Are you going to compromise what you know is right? Are you going to let your values come crashing down? Are you going to let others down in the name of being depressed or being hurt? Or are you going to rise to the occasion, fulfill your duties? Uh, continue on in the role that that you have taken on in your life which is a sacred role of a husband or a father and help others help bring them along with you you know it's a pretty clear choice and i'm not saying it's an easy one but in many similar situations you you know hear or read about families disintegrating or marriages disintegrating and there's no question it's a you know a devastating idea that you might that you've lost a child or that someone has grown ill and and died or any uh, a soldier being killed you know what whatever the, the the tragedy it's all it's all the same same feelings to deal with and so some people let that, in some sort of insidious way, break up what wasn't damaged. You know, our marriage wasn't in that car. You know, our our relationship with our other kids didn't go away. So, you know, why make us a, a bad situation worse? You know, why, you know, why put the other two kids who've lost a, a brother now put them in a situation where they see their mom and dad failing. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. You you have to sort of dig down deep and say, what kind of person am I going to be? And is this going to be the end of me? Or is it going to show, you know, what I've truly got? You know, what, what example do I want to set for, you know, the other two kids and for anyone else who's looking in?
0: This concludes the 2019 recap. Thanks to all the Cracker Jacks for participating, and thanks to you for listening. For 2020, I was thinking of doing a series called Cracker Jack Ghosts. These would be Cracker Jacks of previous generations that I've read about, from some amazing books. Kind of like the rest of the story, Paul Harvey thing. Anywho... (laughs)